Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. That's getting better and better. I love it. Friends, brothers and sisters, we have come into this place to recognize, to remember, and to celebrate that the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, is with us and calls us to worship Him. Whether you are here in person, joining online, joining some other time in the deep, dead dark of the night or in the early hours of the morning, we are here to worship God. So let us be called together to worship as we read responsively from the 25th Psalm. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. For you are the God of my salvation. Friends, let us worship God.
We come today not as despised sinners, but as children of God. Children of God who know that as they confess their sins, God will once again reassure them of his love and forgiveness. Will you please join me as together we read the prayer of confession? Forgive us, God, because we do not trust you completely. Even though we trust in your gift of eternal life, we struggle living here and now. We do not follow you wholeheartedly. We confess that we cling to old patterns and worldly ways, ways that you have commanded us to give up to be a new creation in Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us, Lord. We believe. Help our unbelief. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In Christ who reconciles us to God, we are forgiven. Praise be to God. Amen. of Christ be with you. You are so enthusiastic. Share that with everyone around you with the peace of Christ. You all are being seated. I invite our young disciples who've been with us in worship now to go on out to their Sunday school class if they'd like to do that. If they want to hang here and listen to the sermon, let me tell you, it's a rip-roaring sermon, a real barn blaster. <laughs> so thanks for being with us. God bless you in your Sunday school experience. Friends, I want to share with you a bit of news about what's happening in the life of the church and then hold on tight because this is the beginning of our stewardship season. But enough about that a little bit later. You will find in your bulletins this morning a special envelope that is labeled Hurricane Ian Relief Fund Offering. What part do we not understand? It's pretty simple, right? We want to respond to the humanitarian needs that exist now in Florida. Your offering given today or throughout the coming week will be sent directly either to Presbyterian Disaster Assistance folks who will be involved for the long term or also and also to congregations that we know in the area that are offering direct aid. So if you want to participate in this tangible expression of Christ's love for others, we invite you to do that today. 
A few weeks from now, on the 30th of October, we will have what has become uh, one of our traditional and normal congregational meetings for the purpose of electing new elders and deacons and nominating committee members. We will conduct that meeting by Zoom. We've discovered that's a good way to do those meetings. So at five o'clock, you can plug into the link that will be sent to you. And as Juan reminded me at the first service, you don't even have to have your camera on. We do not know what you will be eating and drinking and wearing or even doing. But please zoom into the meeting and join us in that exercise of Presbyterian democracy. At that same meeting, we will also formally act on Jan Farley's request for the dissolution of the pastoral relationship. That's the way Presbyterians put it. It sounds awfully formal and stuffy, uh, but we will be voting then to allow Jan to have her wish, and, and we believe God's will for her to retire from ministry at the Village Church, but not retire from ministry. There we go. A couple of other things. On November 6th, we'll be having a new member seminar for those of you interested in learning about joining the church. Also that day, our first youth confirmation class. And then let me mention briefly that tomorrow morning I'll be getting on an airplane, the Lord willing, and joining with seven other folks from this country as we gather in Beirut. From there, we will go to Latakia, Aleppo, and Damascus in Syria, and I will bring your greetings to the Christians who are there and then bring news of what's going on there back home to you. It is the plan that from Aleppo, I will be preaching and we will be broadcasting that sermon, videotaped, if you will, into worship on Sunday the 23rd. So next Sunday, Jan is bringing the word. The following Sunday, I'll be preaching from Aleppo and bring you the word, if everything works. If it doesn't work, then what we're going to do is randomly choose someone from the studio audience to stand up and preach that morning. <laughs> And that doesn't leave you guys out of it either, okay? That's just what the plan is. So the bell choir is gonna have to stand here a couple more minutes and listen to a stewardship message, right? A stewardship message. This is that season of the year when we think in particular terms about how God has blessed us so richly and how God then invites and commands us to bless others. It's actually good for our own souls as well as good for others' souls. And so, yes, the minister today is going to talk about the almighty dollar. And actually, this dollar is not so almighty, is it? We sometimes treat it as if it is. We sometimes worry that when we come to church, the minister is only going to ask us for money. But I only ask you for money when God needs some of your money that he has put into your pocket. And so let's simply be honest and genuine with each other that one of the things that makes the church work is our financial giving. Now there is all kinds of other giving. There are people who give of their time, their talent, their energy to sing in the choir, to usher, to help take care of children, to go to other parts of the world. All of us are called to minister with everything that God has given us as we are in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools. But there is a particular form of need that has become even more pressing in the life of God's church today, and that is for financial support. As we are entering into this season now 
of thinking and praying and considering how God is leading us to be more generous than we ever have been, perhaps. We are focusing our thoughts on one passage from Isaiah, the 51st chapter, the first verse. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. If this is your first Sunday in church for a while, you will soon learn that we've been talking a lot about rocks, haven't we, Phyllis? The rock who is our God, our Savior, the Spirit, the rock on which we build our lives. One of the ways that we build our lives is by looking at the rock, looking to the rock who is God, and then answering God's call and God's command to give some of what He's given us so that others might thrive. In the coming weeks, you are going to receive some special email messages. There will be others here from this pulpit speaking to you. And in all of those messages, we're going to ask you to pray about how God will lead you to be generous in the coming year. A few weeks from now, we're actually going to send an old-fashioned letter made out of paper and ink. And in that letter, there will be a pledge card, a way for you to respond back to God by speaking with us about what your hopes and dreams are for the future. We need certain kinds of members and participants in the life of this church to respond only specific kinds of people. So listen to see if you fit this category. We need the kinds of members who show up for church here on Sunday mornings to participate. So all of you are stuck. All of you are stuck. We also need the kinds of members and participants who do not show up here on Sunday mornings. Maybe you're somewhere else on the face of the planet. Maybe you worship and participate only through our now online means of ministry. If you can prove to me that you are not part of either of those two groups, then let's chat. We need everyone in the life of the church to participate. Now, a few weeks ago, we handed out a rock to you like this, a plain and simple and ordinary rock. We have another rock for you today. Oh, you can't wait, can you? These rocks are outside as you leave by the other plain rocks. If you haven't gotten a plain rock yet, take a plain rock. I'll explain more about that later, but we have a special rock. This one has a cross on it. That doesn't mean the rock is any holier than any other rock. It does mean certain things that we'll talk about later. But let me encourage you now, as we move into this stewardship season, as we move into a season of thinking about how God invites us to be part of what He's doing in the world, how we are going to do that successfully, how we're going to do that generously, and be part of God's blessing in the world. And oh, by the way, you get a chance to do that right now. As the bells are playing, we're all going to stand up if we're able and led to do that and bring our offerings to the baskets at the front. God bless you.
please be seated. Will you please join me as I lead first in a pastoral prayer and then together we will say the Lord's Prayer. Let us, let us pray together now. God who is gracious, guide our prayers this morning. God of creation who places our feet upon a rock, a rock of justice, compassion, and love, we praise you. Your solid ground gives us assurance that you are present and reign in power in all things. Take our hearts into your hands once more today as we worship you. Guide our thoughts and focus. Let us lean into your grace and call upon your name in glory and blessing, for you, our God, are strong to save, quick to forgive, and empowering through your spirit, enabling us to live a life in Christ victorious. We are, Lord, not without anxiousness. We pray that you would calm our worries, Restore our confidence in the work in the world through your guidance. Bless those who continue with the cleanup from the Hurricane Ian. Bless and multiply our offerings to help these victims that they serve. Comfort those who mourn in Florida and those who grieve in Northern Thailand. Bring the help of Christians to these places and show those with whom they serve your strength in the ministry to care for the brokenhearted. Again, we pray for brothers and sisters who minister in Ukraine and the outlying countries. We pray for co-workers in Christ in areas in the world that are violent beyond our imagination. Protect them as they work to minister to others in your name, Jesus. Lord God, we pray safe travel, travel and protection for Pastor Jack and the Outreach Foundation as they travel to Lebanon and Syria. May you provide them many opportunities to minister to the people of Syria, Christian and Muslim alike, so that you, our Lord Jesus, might be known to all people. Bless this church and the many who serve here. Multiply the workers, Lord. Speak to the heart of each person called and beloved by you, that they would hear your voice and serve you in every way with the joy that comes from you. We lift in prayers Kevin, Rusty, Pat, David, Doug, and others on our hearts that we lift in prayer for healing. Our Father, comfort all who mourn, and may we continue to be present with those who grieve. We give you praise, our Father, for hearing our prayers even before they are on our lips. May your grace uplift us today. And may we pray in the powerful name of Jesus who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
a reading from the second letter of Peter. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith as precious as ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and goodness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus, we have given us through these things his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. For this very reason, you must have every effort to support your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with mutual affection and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For anyone who lacks these things is nearsighted and blind and is forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to confirm your call and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Dean. I want to make a statement and then you raise your hand if you agree. Life today is full of turmoil and change and confusion. I'm looking for someone who does not have your hand raised. I want to talk with you guys after church. Oh, then the hands went up, yeah. Now, that's not all of life, of course, but it seems like it's so much more of life these days, the turmoil, the change, the confusion. We need not elaborate on the reasons or the explanations of that. But let's simply note that because for the last few weeks and for the next several weeks, we are trying to understand and celebrate and be in touch with how there is something more to life than just turmoil and change and confusion. After all, we are the people who have listened to Jesus preach 
and listened as he has said that we have an opportunity to build our lives on rock that does not change, that is not confused, that helps us survive the turmoil of life. We are talking about life on the rock, an open secret, if you will, to how it is that you live through and even thrive in the midst of turmoil and change and confusion. We have used a a small device as a reminder, the rock. I hope you're not tired of thinking about the rock or talking about the rock because I'm still fascinated and informed and encouraged by the rock who is our Savior and our Lord. Now, this rock is something of a generic kind of rock, I suppose you could say. I'm sure that a geologist could look at this rock and say, well, Jack, that is such and such and such and such and wherefore and why not, and it came from such and such a place. That's great. That's well. That's good. Thank you, geologists, for knowing these things. However, I call it by its technical scientific name, rock, and it could be from anywhere. Now, the rock upon which we have founded our lives is not a physical rock, certainly, but neither is it a generic rock. I suppose you could say this generic rock reminds us that God is everywhere, and that's a good use for this generic rock. But we believe that God is represented to us, God is present to us, in the past and in the present and in the future with one particular understanding of rock. And that's partly why we're giving you another rock today. Not because rocks are fairly inexpensive and a cheap present to give you. Certainly these rocks with the cross on them cost more than the generic rock. There's a reason for that. They're made in China, for heaven's sakes, according to the... That's what the little gold thing on the back of my rock says. If you think we can live without China, you've got another thought coming. But this rock is here not because it's made in China. It's here because it has a cross on it to remind us that we are Christian. People of the cross. People who follow the one who died on the cross and then lived afterwards. As we follow him, as we learn the life that he had to teach us, we learn beautiful truths, we begin to discover new realities, we begin to find out what it actually is to have God present with us, present in our minds, in our souls, in the things that we do. In a sense, both of these rocks remind us that the God who is everywhere and always with us is the God who has come to us in Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we are invited, we're encouraged, we're even commanded to be part of 
what God is doing in the world, part of that relationship with God. Isaiah reminds us in that theme verse of our stewardship campaign, Isaiah reminds us to look to the rock, to live our whole lives from out of the reality and presence of this rock, to manage our lives, if you will, to steward them because of how we follow Jesus. And so I want to be sure that you understand something. We ran a risk in giving you a rock like this because you can go to just about any cheesy, touristy store and find somewhere in that store a little basket of stones similar in size. Sometimes they are stones with crosses on them, and they are called worry stones. Worry stones. Sometimes they have a little indentation in them about the size of an average human thumb so that you can rub on this rock every time you start to worry. I understand what that's all about, but this is not a worry stone. This is a worship stone. We worship God. But how do we do that? How do we do that? I'm always interested in the practical realities of Christian life. I love it when preachers say, love God. I love it when preachers say, turn to the Lord. I love it when preachers say, give all your money to the church. (laughs) That was a very subtle subliminal thing there, don't you think? (laughs) Right? How do we do that? What do we do with that? Well, that's what Peter wants to talk about. Peter wants to talk about how it is that we follow Jesus, what we do, what's the result, what happens. Peter, who arguably knew Jesus just as well as anybody knew Jesus and better than most. When you read the opening letters, the opening sentences of his second letter, Peter reminds us of some very, very crucial realities and truths that you and I need to know about, and I want to look at them for just a few moments. Peter starts off by telling us that everything in Christian life starts with what God does, not what we do. So let's be very clear about this from the very beginning. We must always say that everything that we have, everything that we are, all the blessings that we share, all of the spiritual truths about our forgiveness and eternal life and all of that stuff starts with God. He says, God's divine power has given us everything we need. So whatever I say from here on out acknowledges and realizes that this all comes from God, not from us. However, but, and, there's more. You see, God does something amazing beyond our description, full of grace, when He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, but then, and then, God says to us, What are you going to do with it? 
What are you going to do about it? Peter reminds us that there is more to Christian life than simply believing what Jesus said and did and trusting that it's a good thing. He goes on to say that there is something in what God does that invites us to change, that invites us to grow, that encourages us, that strengthens us. And because God is God, we can even say that commands us to do something with what God has done. Peter says that God has given us everything needed for life and godliness through knowledge of Him, and we may become participants with Him in what He is doing. How many of you, maybe when you were younger, in 4-H or some kind of club or athletics or some version of competition, you'd enter and there would be prizes given. First prize, blue ribbon, second prize, red ribbon, third prize. Were those green usually? What color were they? White, white. Thank you very much. I don't remember ever getting third one. Yeah, yeah. Huh. What I do remember is that most of the ribbons I had in my little ribbon box were yellow, and they said, participant. <laughs> Who here feels comfortable enough right now to share that you too have received a participant ribbon? Anybody here? You know, in the way that God does things, there's only one who gets a blue ribbon. That's Jesus. Everybody else gets a yellow ribbon. If, if, if they enter the contest at all. There's only one reason you don't get a participant ribbon. And do you know why that is, Bill? Let me explain it to you. It's if you don't participate. <laughs> God invites us to become participants with Him in that fellowship of Father, Son, and Spirit, in that eternally creative activity of God who creates and then recreates the world. But how do we participate with God? How do we do that? Peter goes on. He says, you must make every effort and be eager to confirm your call and election. It's right there in the Bible. For everyone who says to me, you know, being a Christian is simply about believing what God has done for us. No, it's not that simple. Yes, it begins with believing what God has done for us and acknowledging that everything comes from God. But right after we hear that God has done this for us, God says, I'd like you to do something about it. I want you to participate. There will be no blue ribbons, red ribbons, green ribbons, purple ribbons, rainbow ribbons, whatever kind of ribbons. Participate, confirm your call and election. And so just briefly, I want to talk about how we do that. How do we do that? Do we sign a card that says, I'm participating? Do we raise our hand and say, I'm a participant? No, there's actual things that we do. I call them Christian construction techniques. Remember, we're building a life on a rock. 
How do you build it? What do you do? There are lots of things that we do. And here's the good news. You're already doing some of it. You're already doing some of it. Jesus showed us in the example of his own life, the people of God have shown us in the example of their lives what we do. And one of the things we do is worship God. Here we are to worship God. Jesus constantly worshiped God. Did he do that while he was out playing golf or wandering around among the trees or looking out at the ocean? Yes, he could worship God then, so can you. But Jesus worshiped with the people of God in the formal worship exercise and experience of what we do. And so here's the good news. You're already doing some of it, but there's more. Our prayer, our study, our service, are some of the other things that that we are given to do so that God begins His process of doing something in us. That's how we actually walk with Jesus. And we need to learn. We need to actually do those things so that we can follow Jesus. How many of you have ever had the frustrating experience of having a group of people that was too large for one car, so you had to get in two cars, and you needed to go from point A to point B, and only one of the drivers knew how to do that, and so you put some of the people in the second car and said to the driver in the second car, follow me. And then you drove away. And the driver of the first car, of the second car, had to adjust his seatbelt and adjust the mirror and talk a while on the phone and then began to follow you and they were lost forever. <laughs> Have you had that experience? Have you been that kind of a second car driver? Have you ever had this experience of being in that second car and you hung too far back and you got stopped at a stoplight while the first car went on or a whole bunch of traffic came in between you and the car that you were following that little hot red convertible Mercedes all of a sudden disappeared. But then you saw it again, and you started following it. The only problem was it was a different hot little red Mercedes. (laughs) And instead of ending up down at the baseball game, does anybody know what the score is? Is the game on yet? What's that? The game's on at four. Oh, thank heavens. (laughs) Instead of ending up where you wanted to be, you were following the wrong car. This is who we follow. Sometimes I look at that window of Jesus and I think that Jesus is saying there, come with me. Come on, let's go. And sometimes I look at that window of Jesus and he's saying, where did you go? You were right behind me. We choose to follow. We actually do follow as we do the things that Jesus did, but we can't do the things that Jesus did unless we let him teach us how to do those things. And that's what we do when we come to worship, when we study the Bible, when we pray, when we argue over theology, when we do all the things that we do in the life of the church is learn how to follow Jesus. So then when it's time to do what Jesus did, we know how to do it. Peter says that the result 
of our following Jesus is faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, mutual affection, and love, never stumbling, entering into the eternal kingdom where we are richly provided for. If you want to get there, you have to follow the right person, and you have to follow. Now, I know we're told not to say things in negative ways, but the negative is very powerful here. Peter also says, if you don't do this, you are going to be ineffective, unfruitful, nearsighted, blind, and forgetful. Apparently, Peter, too, had turned 66. (laughs) How would you like that when you go in for your your annual review with your supervisor says, Jack, I'd love to share with you my judgment of how you're doing. You are ineffective, unfruitful, nearsighted, blind, and forgetful. But other than that, I'm pretty good, right? No. We want to be powerful. We want to be joyful. We want to be strong. Even when we're weak, even when we're lost, even when we're confused, even when the world is changing around us, if we've been following Jesus or if we start, we will begin to become effective and fruitful and hearing and seeing and remembering what it is we're supposed to do. That's what happens as we follow, is that we are transformed into being those kinds of people. One last thing. How many of you think that there is a typographical error in the bulletin this morning? And how many of you think that D. Silver read it wrong when he read it this morning? Peter begins his letter by saying, Simeon Peter. Simeon Peter. Not Simon Peter. Right? I see some of the looks on your faces. You understand what I'm talking about. Boy, I thought it was Simon Peter, not Simeon Peter. Well, here's what's going on. That is not a typographical error, and D read it exactly right. Because in the Hebrew version of the name, it is Simeon. In the Greek version of the name, which also was popular and prevalent in that first century culture, Simon is the word that's used. Whether it's Simeon or whether it's Simon, there's a new name attached to it. You remember, Simeon slash Simon was given a brand new name. The name of Peter, Kephas, Rock. Why? Because Jesus intended to change Peter's life. He expected that Peter could become transformed from a confused helpless, powerless kind of guy to someone who had confidence and knowledge and strength. That's what happens when you're truly following Jesus. Not that life will not sometimes be confusing and crazy and full of turmoil, but that you will be given the strength, the knowledge, the wisdom, the love, the fruitfulness of who you are to prevail. That's what happens when we look to the rock, when we build 
on the rock. Amen. Me, as together we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I get, the more I realize how much I learned from my folks. And one of the things I learned from my dear late dad is that whenever he encountered someone who may be, yeah, they were that kind of person, he'd say, you know, that guy's got rocks in his head. 
Lots of people think I have rocks in my head. They think you have rocks in your head because you are building your life on the only rock who actually is. So regardless of what the world is saying and regardless of what you sometimes may be trust the rock and be sure to pick up the cool new ones on your way out. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forever and ever and ever. Let God's people say, Amen. Amen.